Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter. I am Ashraf Engineer. India's COVID-19 vaccination drive faltered quickly due to shortages, flawed policies and systemic inequalities. The country suffered a surge in infections, killing more than 1.8 lakh people in April and May 2021 alone, which makes vaccinations even more vital in the war against the virus. While we are seeing shortages on the one hand, we are also seeing stubborn vaccine hesitancy on the other. A significant number of people are reluctant to get the jabs. Naturally, this is alarming health experts who see it as a threat to the country's very fragile gains against COVID-19. Less than 5% of the population was fully immunized at the time of making this episode and the experts warn that unless vaccination rates rise significantly, the death toll, officially pegged at 4 lakh and most likely a vast undercount, will spike again. All Indians Matter we have on the show two very special guests. First, Dr. Renu Khosla, Director of the Centre for Urban and Regional Excellence, also known as CURE. Her work, work is aimed at unthinking and reimagining slums and inclusive urban development, building resilience and nudging change through community-led initiatives. She seeks to strengthen local capacities for participative planning, data visualization and analytics using spatial technologies, localizing and de-engineering solutions, and simplifying institutions hoping to change the policy narrative and deepen the discourse about the urban poor, slum upgradation and quality of life. Her projects are innovative and awarded. She was recognized by the Government of India on International Women's Day for her work in sanitation and in promoting equality. With her is Kritika Mahajan, Senior Campaigner at Purpose, a social impact agency and campaigning organization. Purpose is driving the communication response initiative by the UN Secretary General's office around the infodemic that surrounds COVID-19. Kritika spearheads communication response initiatives in India. One of these is Verified, which aims to empower people around the world with trustable content, life-saving information, fact-based advice and stories. Renu's organization Cure is working to improve health outcomes in slum communities through better access to water, sanitation services, livelihoods and health awareness. They are partnering with Verified to address and overcome vaccine hesitancy among the poor. They curate messages and choose the medium that will increase vaccine uptake through a process of identifying information gaps and contextualize COVID-appropriate behaviors. Welcome to the show, Renu and Kritika. Thank you. Hi, Ashra. Thank you for having us. Renu, let's start with you. What are the rumors or misconceptions that lead to people resisting the vaccine? There are many reasons why people resist vaccination. Not all of these can be attributed to rumors or misconceptions. Um, if I try and bundle these, I can bundle these into three types of issues. Uh, the first bundle is about personal choices. Then there are the systemic issues that you were talking about. And then we can look at misconceptions. Uh, personal choices um, could be a major deterrent. Um, they, they relate to how much does it cost to get yourself vaccinated. Uh, vaccine may be free as of now, uh, but wage loss is not. A day at the vaccination center, a day uh, after the vaccine, uh, which when you could have after, uh, after effects, means that you would lose your daily wage if you were a daily wage worker. If you are a domestic worker, uh, sometimes uh, people tend to, you know, also deduct your salaries. So the costs to the poor are not necessarily coming from 
free vaccination. Uh, most also don't want to stand in the queue. Uh, they would rather uh, wait and watch. They don't want to be the front runners in this. Uh, it's about looking at the community. It's about uh, watching and seeing the re how the others are going to react to the vaccine. So there's a hesitancy uh, because you don't know what's going to happen because there are uh, uh, you you're you're not you haven't had vaccinations before or or you were too small to know whether you've had any vaccinations. Um, and also, um, you know, people are unaware of the conditions under which vaccinations should be delayed or avoided. Uh, small deterrents uh, also include things like how far is the vaccine center from my uh, settlement? Uh, can, do I need to hire a rickshaw, rickshaw to get there? Uh, what would it cost? How much time would it take? Uh, would I be able to choose the vaccine that I want to be vaccinated with? Uh, do I want Covishield? Do I want Covaxin? Uh, is it the, the new ones that are emerging, the, uh, uh, the vaccines? People would want to make a choice, but you don't have that choice because you only get to know which vaccine you would be uh, you know, vaccinated with once you reach we, once you reach the center. And then if you say no, you could be bumped down the, the list and, and at the end of the line. Um, the, there are also questions that people would like to ask, like, uh, why do I need a second dose? One is good enough. Uh, uh, especially between dose one and dose two, they've experienced or heard about an adverse reaction, you know, um, uh, and they've heard... Um, uh, um, They've heard uh, things happening in their neighborhoods. But most importantly, which happens to all of us, and it's true of poor people too, is that people are afraid of getting injections. You know, people don't want the needle, they don't want the jab, and, uh, <laughs> and, and that, that is also a personal uh, affair for which uh, people don't go. But everything is not all negative as far as personal choices are concerned. Um, we are beginning to hear street vendors um, who want, or self-employed people, who want to get the jab and get on with their work. Because it's becoming a passport, not just for travel now, it's vaccination has become a passport for all those service providers who would go inside people's homes and um, and who would do a plumbing job or a carpentry job or uh, or the masons, you know, or the street vendors. So they all, they're all, I mean, there is, there is now some urgency in uh, getting yourself vaccinated. Yeah. So, so there are, um, there are also, there is also uh, the the role of rumors and fake news and uh, misinformation, uh, which confuses the people, uh, because um, uh, the confusion comes from the fact that poor are not able to make distinguish between or isolate. Uh, medicines from vaccines and from antibodies. So that clarity causes a lot of confusion. That uh, lack of clarity causes confusions. There is also the news that they keep reading about the fake, the fake vaccines. 
Uh, you uh, you read about adulterated, you read about duplicate, you read about plain placebos, uh, you hear them on TV channels, you hear, um, I mean, uh, during the pandemic, we heard all the remdesivir, um, uh, you know, medicines that were being administered, which were um, fake ones. Uh, so, so people can't make out whether they're getting a placebo, just water, uh, so, so they would rather, you know, stay away. Uh, and these fears are amplified uh, when you chat with relatives back home. When you are, when you, when you pick up the phone and talk to your, um, you know, family back home, and we do know that rural has been impacted. Um, villages have been uh, hit as hard as the urban areas have. And in the villages, there are fewer. Um, uh, fewer health uh, facilities, access is very poor. So when people uh, lose lives in rural areas, it actually starts influencing the urban uptake of vaccines. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to come to that point again, Renu, in a bit. But I also wanted to ask uh, Kritika, and also you, Kritika, you can go first, is that not everyone has access to the COVID app or a website because, because they don't have high-speed internet access or smartphones. and so, uh, could you tell us a little bit about such systemic issues that are causing problems? So, Ashraf, the things that we need to keep in mind, right? Like whenever you roll out a new program, there are a bunch of systemic issues that are there. But we need to keep in mind that a lot of them have been evolving. Like you mentioned, the high-speed internet. Not everybody can register online. While, yes, there are people around them that have stepped up and offered them to uh, offered help to others but we also know that you know uh, these rules are also evolving now if you see the coven app is available in more than english uh, right that the, there are many languages that one can register in um, similarly like we need to keep in mind that the walk-ins have also started so as and when we start any new program that we need to keep evolving it and those systemic issues keep getting resolved as and when uh, we go ahead with them, right? Uh, Renu, your views? So, yes, uh, you know, about a year and a half back, I would say the digital divide was huge. The gap was, uh, there. Um, in some of our dipstick studies, we found uh, that there were just 55% households who would have access to a smartphone. And the skills to use the smartphone were even uh, lower. Uh, today, Thanks to the fact that all kids have to go on to smartphones if they want to, you know, um, uh, be part of the uh, the lessons, school lessons. Um, we are finding that at least in Delhi, uh, the smartphone ownership in a house has gone up by 90%. But then, who are the people who can use it? It's the young, the youth in the family who are smarter and quicker at, um, you know, reaching uh, or or navigating. The, uh, the networks and the internet. And therefore, um, you know, the elderly are dependent on the young people to be able to get them their um, COVID uh, appointments. <clears throat> because the COVID traffic is so heavy uh, that, you know, it's not that uh, you, uh, you know, log on and you instantly get an appointment. You might have to go there several times and people, you know, give up. You don't have the time to um, to keep looking for uh, an appointment so that that digital divide is definitely is definitely one of the reasons uh, why people are discouraged 
uh, or delay delay the vaccination uh, the uh, the other um, reason is these are simpler reasons systemic reasons which are you know you don't have the id proof with you the particular id proof that you want there is an assumption here that aadhar is the only card that would work now if your aadhar is not with you here and your aadhar is back home in the village uh, you feel that uh, you would not be able to get the vaccine whereas there are a whole host of other um, you know options like you have a pan card you have a ration card with a photo you have a driving driving license passport but these are not some of not all of them the poor would have um, so uh, you know the um, so the search for slots the walk in vaccination where you might just just walk in and the center is fully booked up and uh, so there is you don't get your turn that day uh, the crowds at the vaccine center which may seem as super spreaders um, these are all you know uh, all come together as kritika said in an ecosystem uh, which which actually then discourages people from um from uh, so so while digital is one there are others that you know compound it kritika let me come to you now uh, how does misinformation spread uh, has it become easier because of the access to messengers like whatsapp or any others um this definitely that right like we need to realize that uh in india the whole lot of uh first generation internet users right so that the access to internet has actually increased for a lot of people where uh, we need to keep in mind that a lot of apps have also penetrated the entire ecosystem that we talk about so yes whatsapp is one of the major messengers which are easily uh, available for most of the public that we think about but yes there are a lot of other apps as well that exist where people are at and we need to realize like why is it that the misinformation spread it's not just because of messengers like this we need to keep in mind like what is what's the psyche behind any information that that gets spread what one of the things that we should realize is that um any piece of information that we consume whether it's online or an offline uh, information there is a rush of emotion that we feel and it's because of that that we want to forward it or we want to tell more people about it right and yes and that has just made it very easy because of the internet access and there's just so much information to consume for us and it's very difficult for us to now make out which uh, amongst this information that we're consuming is credible and which isn't so because of the internet access that people have they are consuming a lot more information right now right which makes it very difficult for people to understand which one is the credible and which one is the trusted information that they should be consuming versus the one which is fake or which can be misleading sometimes right and yes the thing is that it is because of um the access to a lot of apps similar to whatsapp and a lot of apps where we are on the internet and consuming a lot of information because of which uh, the spread has become easier but we do need to keep in mind like why exactly is it that people share it's not always because of a bad intent right like we saw this happening in the second wave a lot where people would share uh the messages because they cared for people they cared and they wanted to share information that might help the people uh that are facing these issues or looking for donors or looking for medicines but it also created a space where um 
it it was a type of misinformation it was outdated information that uh, was being shared by the people whereas we saw a lot of um what a lot of volunteers come up to ensure that you know there is space for verified information to be shared so that was one of the things that we realized like we need to look at the type of information as well that is being shared and by whom is it being shared so there are certain things we should be keeping in mind irrespective of whichever platform is it that we are crea- uh, consuming this information absolutely and critical the common sense view is that creating top down messaging doesn't work instead you require conversations at the grassroots level what's your view and uh, you know once kritika has done maybe you could add to that so we guess definitely like there is a need of a top down messaging system where we need decision makers to ensure that there is one source of information however as and when it reaches down there are a lot of questions that keep coming up and there are a lot of information gaps that can get formed and in order to fill these information gaps is where we need to work with the grassroots organizations to identify what exactly are the type of questions people are asking and then fill it as well so it needs to be a a, a hand in hand situation where we are working with the grassroots as well uh, in order to ensure that there are no gaps that get formed renu So uh, let me start with Kritika's last point and I um find this very interesting about uh, local governments or governments or state is that uh, it occurs to them very late that any design of a uh, of a app app would be you know uh, should be in english i mean it comes naturally to them that they would design it in english because our app designers are all engineers and have come out of these institutions that where they have studied english um it's because they're disconnected <coughs> from the community it's because they don't have this uh, this outreach uh, in the in the settlements in the low income settlements that it doesn't strike them that you need to create an application which is uh, which is uh, you know more friendly um, which is in the language of the poor let me put it like that uh, so uh, so um, uh, there is uh, so let me uh, uh, let me go back to the point that uh, kritika has again made about uh, the work at the grassroots level so what really happens at the grassroots level is it's like when uh verified and cure was working together uh you know verified knew the messages they they were able to con- create the content the message was uh, correct but where do you publish this message what media would you use so now something as simple as let's put it on the cable network didn't work because cable had uh, you know cable has so many channels now and we don't know who's watching watch what and and you can't really put it across all the channels so we figured that cable was a bad medium and doordarshan was too expensive and doordarshan is also not the news which people are generally listening to so which channel medium would you pick so now that's where this combination of grassroots understanding and the content creators uh, they need to come so you you all you while you verify your uh, fact uh, facts and you provide correct and right content you also need to understand how that content reaches the poor people 
I think that's a really critical point, Renu. Uh, so, Kritika, uh, how are you assisting in creating awareness? So, when what happens is that uh, the when we read any information, uh, there are a lot of sources which we trust. However, they might not be the ones who are credible enough to share this information. What we are doing under Verified is that we have identified who are these people who are trusted amongst their communities. And now we want to enable them to have the credible information as well that they can then communicate to the, the, the communities that they are in. So that's one thing that we are doing. We're ensuring that the people who are credible, which is the scientists and experts who can talk about a certain issue, they are the ones who are uh, who are creating the content, who are telling us what needs to happen, and we are connecting them to the right messengers who can then communicate these messages further. So that's how we are ha- helping the ecosystem. Renu, uh, take us through some of the successes you have seen on this front and how did you achieve them? So the campaign is in the very early stages uh, and it's hard because we haven't really yet, uh, you know, uh, go, we haven't really yet measured um, uh, the ch- exact change that has happened on the ground. Uh, but what I am finding is that there is an increase, there is an uptick in the in the vaccination now whether uh, this is uh, more so for the 20 settlements in which we are working with verified uh, we will have to verify that um, against uh, against the others where verified is not working but we do believe that it has made a difference and we do hope to roll this out to all the 90 and 100 settlements in which we are working because we believe the message is clear we believe that the method is also uh, something which is more um, acceptable to the community. Uh, So, you know, um, uh, so there is um, uh, uh, what Kritika mentioned just before this was about the science behind the vaccine. I think there is also, uh, apart from the science, there's some very interesting non-science issues that also need to be addressed. So, for example, um, in the early stages when, uh, you know, the government was still, uh, you know, uh, tossing about this idea of which vaccine should be approved or not approved, WHO was not, uh, you know, hadn't given its consents and all, people began to believe that they were the guinea pigs, that they were going to be uh, the laboratory rats uh, on which the vaccine was being tried out. And, and so they would, you know, stay away from this. So it's not just about the vaccine, um, the science behind the vaccine, what works, what are the adverse events, why, what are antibodies, why we need to have them. But it's also about these, you know, associated elements, non-science elements, which also need to be addressed. And I think that is what a partnership between uh, uh, a communication content creating agency and a grassroots agency really uh, gels and, and then if you work together, then you have a win, uh, a, a win-win situation. Renu, uh, talk us through some of the socio-economic impacts of the pandemic that you have observed in Delhi slums. Uh, and do you think the vaccine uptake that you mentioned can mitigate some of these impacts? So, the biggest, of course, has been loss of livelihoods. Uh, uh, very much in the first phase of uh, the um, uh, the virus, uh, we 
figured out that at least one third of our communities had fled from Delhi. Uh, they'd gone home. Uh, there were um, people who were uh, our, our enterprise groups, our micro enterprise groups in many of the settlements. We work with women and we help build uh, their micro enterprise capabilities. Many of them had actually uh, no work. Uh, obviously, the supply chains had been disrupted, there were no markets, uh, and so uh, incomes uh, had completely dropped, you know, at, at that particular time. So one of the biggest impact of the uh, COVID has been on the livelihoods of the poor. Not all livelihoods are back. So what has really happened is that there has been underemployment. Um, people have gone and done any job just so that they could have some food on their table. Uh, people are eating less. People are, of course, we know, earning less. Uh, and, and also we know that they are learning less. So the third, the second impact has been on the, on the, uh, the education of children. And I think the, the divide that we've been talking about is only increasing now uh, because uh, loss of education for the poorer kids is, is far more acute. Uh, and um, far more disadvantaging than than it is going to be for the the richer uh, families or wealthier families who can afford to you know provide them with the with the support uh, and these children were uh, getting the uh, they were getting ration of food in the uh, in the settlements i mean we've heard we are reading every day in the newspaper about kids sitting on the on the uh, pavements and selling, uh, you know, uh, bird feeds and all other kinds of so 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 families are in distress. Now, how will they uh, come back? Uh, I think, of course, vaccination is going to be uh, be one of the major ways by which there will be confidence uh, in the users of their services, but it would also it would also unblock the supply chains. Now, it's not as if the demand has gone away. The demand would not have gone away completely. Uh, demand, uh, uh, but demand has also been, you know, affected because if the, if we've also read that the middle-income families, uh, almost, um, you know, 50 or 45 percent of uh, middle-income families have actually uh, dropped into the poverty, below the poverty lines. Now, when we look at that, the, the middle-income families were the users of their services. So if they don't have the money, they will not be able to hire these people, right? So it's a it's a chain reaction. So we, I'm expecting, I, I, I know um, livelihoods have been disrupted, but we also know that it, uh, the demand may still be there, but it's not something that's gonna go back uh, very quickly, it's going to take a while uh, for the uh, for this uh, uh, revitalization, uh, the normalcy as we were talking about to happen. Um, I, I think it's it's a long haul for some families. And I think each of those points that you mentioned, uh, the you know lack of access to education, people getting less nutrition. I think each of these is a separate episode altogether. But uh, Renu, tell tell us about cure and the work it does. So Cure, we are a development organization. Uh, we call ourselves an unthinking development organization because we try and think out of the box. Uh, we know that conventional solutions haven't worked for poor people. And therefore, we want to, you know, uh, reimagine the way uh, poor people can be integrated into the fabric of the city. 
essentially we are trying to uh, we work with slum and low income communities uh, we organize uh, women in particular and youth into groups uh, we we want to collectivize and we want people to collectively consider <clears throat> their problems and to identify the solutions that would uh, you know uh, uh, that could make a difference to their lives now these solutions a lot of our solutions are actually around the issues of water and sanitation because these are very you know um, you know first generation issues for these people and um, and so uh, you know getting access to good quality water getting taps at home getting a toilet at home these are uh, for us very equalizing um, you know elements and so what we do is we try and build the social infrastructure uh, in partnership with communities which would enable uh, some of these families to have their own personal toilet and tap exp water experiences uh, but we we can't we are an ngo so we have limited resources so what we really try and do is to set up models which can then be replicated by the government. So, so uh, we, and the out-of-box solution, something as simple as, you know, and we also do engage people in the ecological conservation. So we want to build resilience. We just don't want to improve access. We also want them to be resilient communities so that they can become productive. They, are, they become even more productive citizens of our city. So, so, so we work in about 15 cities, 150 slums across these 15 cities, 150,000. This is the broad, you know, number 150,000 households. That's the, uh, you know, canvas at which Cure is working. Right. And Kritika, tell us about Verified and its objectives. So, Verified, the main uh, point of Verified as a program is that we want to ensure that there is science-based and factual information that is being shared with people. Especially when the science is evolving on such a rapid basis, we need to keep in mind that the right messengers get the platform to share their voices. So as a program, what Verified does is that it uh, enables the trusted messengers to connect with the credible messengers so that there's the right information and science-based information that's going out in the world. So uh, here's, here's a question I ask uh, all my guests. Why do you do this work? And Renu, you can go first and Kritika, perhaps you can go next. Uh, to transform lives. Uh, I can tell you my experience uh, when I first started working uh, in an urban slum. I walked into the Govindpuri slum uh, and uh, it was not as if it was in a dome. It, but when I came out of the slum, I thought I'd come out in fresh air. It was, it was a disturbing experience. Um, how can people live in the squalor? Um, you know, uh, ten year, um, this is, this I'd say, about 20, 25, 30 years ago. Uh, there were no drains, there were no pathways inside the slums. Uh, water supply was, uh, which still is, but it's still better now, is um, in community uh, shared standposts. There were always fights, there were no toilets, people were defecating in the open and then being stoned at by their upper income, you know, neighbors. Uh, so, you know, 
it was a vulnerability it was a disadvantage which was not because they uh because they didn't want to do something about their lives it was because they were born in and they didn't have the opportunities to make that change happen so i think we felt that we could be that opportunity we could at least create knowledge we could at least create the bridge between people and the government give them a voice give them a choice uh give them an opportunity so i think that's why we are there and um that's that's the work we do and we hope to continue doing more of this as we go along because it's a huge population that we are talking about you know in the country absolutely uh, kritika i mean um you know it it doesn't come up as a question at all right like you 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 won't even think twice about the question that you've asked me like what else do you do when when the situation is such like you know um during the second wave all that you can think about is how is it that you can help more people and uh yeah i mean i don't think that one can uh find anything else to do at the moment so yeah Renu and Kritika, thanks so much for coming on the show. India is facing very challenges around COVID vaccinations, and hesitancy is emerging as a serious one. So, thank you so much for talking us through it. It's been wonderful. It's been a pleasure talking to everybody. And if anyone wants to reach out to us with questions, with information, we are happy to respond. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Ashraf. I hope you and your loved one gets vaccinated soon and are safe. Thank you all for listening. Please visit allindiansmatter.in. That's a double l i n d i a n s m a double t e r dot i n for more columns and audio podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Ashraf Engineer. That's a s h r a f e n g i n w e r and all Indians count. That's a double l i n d i a n s c o u n t. Search for the All Indians Matter page on Facebook. On Instagram, the handle is All Indians Matter. Email me at editor at allindiansmatter dot in. Catch you again soon. <laughs>